Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash Takes by Fans. Uh, if you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. All right, today's a big old Monday. The official regular season in the NBA has officially wrapped up last night. We have our uh, standings concrete no more movement uh the top 10 are set in the east and western conference so we're going to be talking about that today on the show we also are going to be doing who we think is going to win the chip who's going to win the nba finals so we'll walk through the playing tournament we'll walk through the first round of the playoffs second round third round finals and getting our kind of who we think at the start of the kind of official playoffs you know with the playing tournament starting tomorrow uh so with the official playoff set We'll go through, walk through the playoff schedule like that and determine and crown our finals winner. Let's see if we're right, folks. So we got that today on the show. Also, we'll be doing the NFL schedule weeks seven and eight today on the show uh, through six weeks. Uh, yeah, through seven, six weeks we've done so far on that schedule. So we'll walk through uh, week seven and eight, picking all the winners of those games. And breaking down the NBA from last night, every single team played. Uh, we can go through that quickly because some of the games were trash, you know, irrelevant during, to the seeding. A lot of teams were still kind of uh, tanking, even though they were, you know, still high seed in the playoffs. So we'll talk about all that stuff. Uh, can't do a moneymaker for today's NBA action because there's no games on today. Uh, the playing tournament starts tomorrow, and then we have playing tournament Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then the playoffs begin this Saturday. So only one day without the NBA. We can make it. We can kind of go, but we will just um, look at a hockey. We'll look at a hockey, see if there's any playoff hockey on tonight. And maybe do a moneymaker for that. Um, and then breaking down the stories of the day. So let's just jump right into it. In the first story up, folks, another kind of crazy trend that could predict the winner of the Super Bowl. So here we go. We told you kind of the Chargers kind of doing the same exact thing that the the Bucks have been doing. You know, they use like the first pick with the quarterback, use their like other first round pick for an offensive lineman, and they both had like the bye on the same week, something like that. Just kind of matching up exactly what the Bucks did to win their title and the Chargers did the same thing. But another trend here could make us right because we've been saying all season long we are a hundred percent confident that this Colts team is going to be absolutely dominant fantastic Carson Wentz is going to stay healthy the entire season I do have to knock on wood for that but we do think he's going to stay healthy and he's going to be able to lead this team instantly for the Colts into a deep playoff run so we're we you know our early predictions is the Colts to win the Super Bowl and here is the kind of trend that uh, kind of lines up with what we're saying. So year 2016 the Super Bowl champions were the New England Patriots. New England Patriots they had their bye week at week nine. Then the following year 2017 the Eagles won the Super Bowl. They had their bye week at week ten. So one extra week down the schedule of the bye week. Patriots week nine, they win the Super Bowl in 2016. Eagles week 10 by they won it in 2017. Then the Patriots won the Super Bowl again in 2018. Their bye week, could you guess, week 11. Then Kansas City Chiefs with the 
by week of week 12. They won it the following year. And then in 2020, just last season, the Bucks won the Super Bowl. And their bye week was week 13. So in the last kind of, what do we got? One, two, three, four, five, six years there. Five years. The last five years, the bye week has been increasing by a week, but one of those teams in those increasing bye weeks has won the Super Bowl. So week 14, if you have a bye in week 14, this it kind of fits this trend that one of these four teams will win the Super Bowl. And the four teams that have the bye week at week 14 are the Patriots, the Dolphins, the Eagles, and the mother-loving Colts, baby. Yes, sir. I mean, this just predicts it. This is concrete evidence right here, folks. The Colts will let the thousand percent win the Super Bowl so go and get those what do we say what what do we clock it in at plus 2700 odds to for them to win the Super Bowl so if you put a hundred bucks on it you win twenty eight hundred dollars folks amazing value so uh, Patriots, Colts, Eagles, Dolphins will one of those four teams will win the Super Bowl this season. The uh, the Patriots probably not. Their offense is still going to be lackluster. I know Bill Belichick's going to have that defense right, but at the same time, we're talking about Cam Newton with tier two. Uh, wide receivers and tier two tight ends and Cam Newton's not an A1 tier one quarterback himself to elevate those talents so can't really see the Patriots winning the Super Bowl the Dolphins our defense should be good but I don't know if two is ready to take a Super Bowl step I think he's ready to take a nice decent step from year one to the year two but I don't know about Super Bowl the Eagles I mean Nick Sirianni uh, are you are you kidding me a new rookie head coach that wins a Super Bowl year one yeah right yeah right they'll barely win one game I think this season <laughs> and then the Colts Absolutely, folks, we've been saying this all season. They have the infrastructure, the offensive line, the weapons, the wide receivers, the running backs. Oh, my God, running backs all day. The defense, it's there. Frank Reich is the head coach. It's all depending on Carson Wentz, and we're true believers in him in this season. So, Colts. Uh, you know, we've been saying it. We're kind of backed up here by this kind of trend, this weird trend that has kind of emerged over the last five years. But, hey, uh, the Colts are by – they got the bye week at week 14. We say they win it. What more What more do y'all need? <laughs> what more do y'all need here? So, uh, Colts, man, truly, I'm looking forward to the Colts so much this season. I cannot wait till this season starts because I just want to see the Colts in action. Screw the Dolphins. Screw everybody else. I want to see this Colts team work 100% because I'm feeling real confident on those freaking boys over there. Alrighty, let's move on to this now. Bears head coach Matt Nagy says Andy Dalton will, quote, get the one reps in the OTAs after a strong rookie camp from Justin Fields. Now, you know, I understand, you know, Andy Dalton is still probably, you know, the starter on paper. You got a rookie quarterback that just finished, you know, his rookie mini camps and all that. So really nothing to really kind of say, yeah, he's definitely the concrete starter here. We're just expecting it by week one that, um... Uh, Justin Fields is going to be the starting quarterback. So let's see what uh, we get in this article of any kind of quotes by Matt Nagy. And let's see in how he's really feeling about Andy Dalton. Um, is he just saying Andy Dalton's a starter because he has to say that? Or is he truly kind of believing it? And that's where, you know, that's where the difference is lying. If Matt Nagy is just saying that Andy Dalton is a starter because you kind of have to say that. Andy Dalton's a veteran in this league. You brought him in before you drafted Justin Fields. Justin Fields is a rookie. He practiced like a couple of days. You really haven't seen him that much. So, you know, you really can't say he's a starter right now. So if that is the case, that's fine. We understand it. But if Matt Nagy is truly starting to kind of believe that Andy Dalton is a starter that's where we're going to have some kind of hesitancy and some problems emerging with Matt Nagy but let's see what he's saying in these quotes are we getting any good information any insight so here we go 
Bears coach Matt Nagy reiterated Sunday that Andy Dalton will be the team's number one quarterback when organized team activities commence next week. Quote, Andy is the starter. Andy's going to get the one reps. The plan beyond that is still being ironed out. Nagy said Dalton, quote, is essential like a rookie as well, or is essentially like a rookie as well. After having been acquired just two months ago, the 11th, 11th year veteran that's really done nothing great in the NFL for 11 years. The 11th year veteran operated in mark, markedly different offenses during his time with the Bengals and Cowboys. Therefore, he needs a healthy amount of snaps. So, I mean, if I mean these two quarterbacks are both on the same ground level, folks, if Matt Nagy is saying that Andy Dalton's basically a rookie coming into our organization with our scheme and our plays of all that, there's really no reason that Andy Dalton should be the starter if they're both kind of on equal grounds. I mean, we know Justin Fields is uh, uh, the true definition of a rookie, where Andy Dalton is a rookie in the sense of, hey, he's just never been with this team before. But he has been in the league for 11 years, like we said. So, I mean, just like that, folks, that kind of statement right there of Andy, of Matt Nagy comparing Andy Dalton to an actual rookie. I mean, now we're talking about Justin Fields is a thousand percent going to be the starting quarterback. We want no doubt. Um, all right. So, therefore, he needs a healthy amount of snaps. Of course, the learning curve is understandably greater for Fields, and so is the anticipation the Bears traded up nine spots to grab the Ohio State product at number 11 overall, instantly lighting a fan base, instantly igniting a fan base that wasn't expecting to land the dual-threat quarterback whom many evaluators rated the number two at the position. That's exactly what we did. We had him uh, ranked number two here. We can go back here. We've got this. We're going to be pulling. We're going to be referencing our kind of um our ranking of the draft of these rookies here through all these positions quarterback running backs wide receivers defensive end linebackers corner safeties we've ranked all the ones that we have seen and we've got Justin Fields as number 2 Zach Wilson number 3 so um yeah uh let's get back to here Alrighty, Matt, uh, Matt Nagy acknowledged that he too has to curb his enthusiasm for Fields. Quote, I know that time is the biggest question right now for Justin, and I completely understand that because there is an excitement. There is that want for all of us to see what Justin can do. We'd be lying to you if we didn't say that or believe that, but we got to make sure as we go through this thing, that we also don't do what's best, that we also do what's best for the Bears and for Justin. So he's excited about him. That's great. So we're really kind of now sold back onto Matt Nagy a little bit. We knew, I mean, we knew as soon as he took Justin Fields number 11 that he, it's just when he's going to start. That's really kind of uh, when we're really going to believe Matt Nagy when he actually starts because if he's not starting week one, then I I think Matt Nagy kind of floundered in that a little bit. I think you have to get this man ready for week one, do whatever it takes um, because if he's not starting week one, then he's going to be thrown into like a Tua situation or a Jalen Hurts situation where, you know, Tua started like week five, you know, while everybody else was already acclimated to kind of in-game speed, in-game kind of scenarios and you're throwing a rookie out on the field that didn't start from week one and I think that really hurt um two a little bit and um that definitely hurt Justin Fields you know in Justin Fields was still looking good out there but you know everybody was truly kind of in their zone in their rhythm on the field and you're throwing you know a cold rookie out there he's not gonna look that great because he's a rookie and he's even not gonna look that much better now because you know he was cold for the first 10 weeks while everybody else got warmed up so 
The good thing here is that Matt Nagy is calling Andy Dalton basically a rookie and uh, that he's still excited to see what Justin Fields can do. So we'll see when they actually make the announcement. I wouldn't expect it anytime soon. Probably next month, two months from now, when we're starting to get really into the thick of, you know, getting ready for week one of the NFL season. But uh, that's where we're at, and it's a pretty good quote here. Now we can start buying Matt Nagy a little bit more that he is making the right decision. So always great to see that. Alrighty, moving on in the Bears, sign wide receiver Chris Lacey. Alrighty, is this a good pickup? Well, we know that the Bears, their wide receiver depth is real kind of not great. Yes, they have Allen Robinson, who's absolutely fantastic. I've got no doubt in my mind that he's still going to have a great season. Whoever's quarterbacking, whether it's Andy Dalton or Justin Fields, it better be Justin Fields, but y'all know how we feel about that. Um... And I've got no kind of questions that Allen Ro- that Justin Fields is going to make Allen Robinson work. Allen Robinson is going to make Justin Fields work. I mean, you don't work Mitch Trubisky. You don't make Mitch Trubisky look really good, and then you're not going to make Justin Fields look good. So we've got no issues there. But now when we're looking at their wide receiver depth, they've got their number two is Darnell Mooney, who caught 600 yards last season, four touchdowns, nothing great. And then the third wide receiver is Anthony Miller. Once again, just nothing great, a 5'11 wide receiver, average there, 485 yards, two touchdowns, nothing great. So bringing in Chris Lacey. You know, he's in his third year, nothing great his first two years, but he was playing with Detroit. The good thing about Chris Lacey is that he's 6'3", a nice, tall weapon for Justin Fields to kind of operate with if he can kind of turn out real well. Um, In his first two seasons, Chris Lacey here, nothing great. He only started two games, only played eight games in his first two seasons, and just nothing great. Um, Last season... Two games started, he was targeted 10 times with only three receptions. So that's definitely not a good sign there. So he's really kind of a big question mark here. Is he going to work? We don't know. But the good thing is that it's a nice, tall wide receiver for Justin Fields. So we'll see how Chris Lacey plays out. And once again, it's just going to be a little unfortunate for Justin Fields here, especially this year of just having no real great wide receiver. So it's going to be a lot of kind of, you know, Justin Fields maybe improvising a little bit, run heavy attack, uh, a lot of slants with Allen Robinson and hoping these other kind of role wide receivers can get into the mix and start really kind of elevating their own play a little bit. But they signed wide receiver Chris Lacey. We'll see if he pans out. Alrighty, let's go to this because we talked about this a little bit yesterday on the show when we were talking about are we overreacting to Tim Tebow and then we read an article because Bucky Brooks uh, said that you know everybody was overreacting so we looked at what he said and it was basically nonsense, nothing there. But he also wrote a little bit of a piece on Teddy Bridgewater and once again, I do want to kind of reiterate that Teddy Bridgewater is good. We are believers in Teddy Bridgewater and when we look at some of the points that Bucky Brooks brought up about kind Kind of the situation between Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers. I mean, we read the quote about Teddy Bridgewater about him not getting enough practice on the two-minute drills in the red zone, and that's really where he floundered all season. That was really the only places he floundered. So, you know, we kind of understood why Teddy Bridgewater floundered last season because he wasn't getting coached in those two areas, and those were our biggest red flags on him. So we still believe in Teddy Bridgewater, we believe he's going to win the starting job in Denver, but let's take a look at what uh, Bucky Brooks is saying here because it just kind of reiterates what we've been saying 
and kind of vindicates us a little bit. Uh, so let's see. Uh, let's start here. So Teddy Bridgewater last season, or this season, kind of called out the Panthers' offensive coordinator, saying that, hey, we didn't practice the red zone, and we didn't practice the two-minute drills, and that's where Teddy Bridgewater floundered. So Bucky Brooks, Bucky Brooks here says that this is basically the, the normal schedule that teams kind of follow during the regular NFL season. So Sunday is the game day. Monday, they do film review and a light workout. Tuesday is a recovery day. Wednesday is first and second down. Thursday is third down and blitzing. Friday is red zone and two-minute drills. And Saturday is the walkthrough. Now, when Chip Kelly, a big college head coach from Oregon, you know, uh, did they win the national championship one year um, with Marcus Mariota looking real good? But, you know, we you know, we all remember Chip Kelly, big head coach there for Oregon, and then he goes to the, the Eagles. And then once he got to the NFL, he kind of switched up the training schedule a little bit. So just remember that a college coach first couple seasons changing around the schedule in the NFL a little bit. So this is what Chip Kelly did. Sunday's game day. Monday was recovery day. So normal day for recovery is Tuesday. He moved that to Monday. Tuesday is first and second down. Wednesday is also first and second down. So there's no film review or light workout day. It's all just recovery day. And then jumping into the field Thursday, was the third down blitz red zone and two minute drills fitting that all into one day on Thursday. Friday was the walkthrough and then Saturday was full speed review practice. So that's how a college head coach first time in the league switched up the schedule a little bit. Now we get Chip Kelly once again, a new first year head coach from the college system coming into this year, just last season, starting his head coach. So, you know, if the if practice schedule wasn't right on par year one, or maybe they weren't just practicing, maybe uh, Matt Rule didn't have a firm grasp of really being a head coach and getting everything kind of to his liking year one. Uh, because we get this rule in the Panthers might uh, subscribe to a similar practice schedule with Fridays considered light days followed by a heavier practice on Saturday. Because we get what Matt Rule said, we talked about his rebuttal of the Teddy Bridgewater. You know, he said that he was disappointed that Teddy Bridgewater was kind of, you know, um, not happy about and kind of spoke out against uh, the Panthers kind of coaches and their practice schedule and all that. So Pat, Matt Rule was quoted by saying this, I'm not going to delve into specifics about our process. Some of that is specific to us. So once again, you know, he is kind of acknowledging, yeah, we kind of do things a little bit differently here. Uh, we kind of mix up the schedule a little bit. And he also had this little bit of a slip of the tongue. Matt Rule quote here, when you have 140 guys in the locker room, guys will disagree on some things sometimes. You can't ask everyone to agree with everything, but I feel really good about what we do. I want to make sure... To say I feel really good about the way we practice in our process, I'm disappointed to hear that he didn't feel the same way. But in that kind of statement there, that quote, he says that when you have 140 guys in the locker room, you don't have 140 guys in the locker room in the NFL. You have 140 guys in the locker room in college. So once again, maybe Matt Rule's not 100% truly acclimated to the NFL style. We saw, you know, Robert Sala, a little bit of a uh, little bit of a mind fart there, 
brain fart saying that, hey, you know, during one of the practices this season, uh, the, I heard the end of practice whistle being blown and the head coach wasn't doing anything. And Robert Zasala was like, oh, I forgot I was the head coach for a second there. So we have these instances of college quarterback or college new new NFL coaches from the college program or just new coaches in the NFL in general, you know, longtime offensive coordinators or defense coordinators finally getting their shot at the head coaching position. And now you're you're running the team. I mean, everything is on you to do the practices and get the coaching staff under you to get the roster under you. How do you want your team ran? How do you want your offense run, your defense run? How do you want to practice? How do you want to kind of space out the days on what to do every single day during the NFL season and how we're practicing, how we're working? out and all that so um you know Matt Rule just getting rid of Teddy Bridgewater after one year after he kind of vocalized hey this is what we're having trouble with Matt Nat, or Matt Rule do you think you know we can kind of switch things up do you think you're doing the best job do you really think uh you know you bringing all this college information to the NFL scheme I mean it's different I mean we just saw Chip Kelly here he didn't really do that well in the NFL we just saw Nick Saban in the NFL from college he didn't really do well we got Urban Meyer wanting to bring back, you know, former college teammates that are nine years, 10 removed from that college program. And now he wants to get him in and all the other players really don't really love that so much. So Matt Rule, do you really, do you think maybe I'm right? Not a hundred percent or, or do you just think my feelings are validated that, Hey, we should be doing a little bit more. We should be spending a little bit more time on the red zone and on two-minute drills during the practice days uh, because that's where I feel the the quarterback, the face of the franchise, the heart and soul of the team, I'm the quarterback. Do you think maybe I have some of my feelings kind of right here and maybe your, some, some of your opinions on how to run a team are just a little, not wrong, but just a little off? Can we tweak it a little bit? And the fact that Matt Rule just kind of went out and kicked him to the curb after one year, Ah, uh, I don't really, I don't, I don't love it. Obviously, I've expressed that, you know, over the last month, a couple of months here. I really don't love that Matt Rule just got rid of Teddy Bridgewater just like that. When Teddy Bridgewater, everything he's saying so far has been vindicated. Um, you know, Matt Rule, kind of some slip of the tongue, maybe not truly fully acclimated to this NFL system. And now he's going to bring in Sam Darnold and we'll see how he's going to kind of able how he's going to be able to kind of elevate Sam Darnold's play and is Matt Rule really going to take a hard look in the mirror and kind of fix some of the things that Teddy Bridgewater uh, brought up after he left because you know Matt Rule's statement kind of seemed like um, I'm, I'm not really understanding where Teddy Bridgewater was coming from and I'm not really going to change our practice schedule around. I'm really kind of comfortable in how it's going. But I mean, if you're not taking input from everybody on your team, I mean, then you, you're just going to do the same thing every single year for wins, no meaningful wins and not getting it done. And then in four or five seasons, Matt Rule is going to be out of the out of the head coaching spotlight, maybe having to go back down to the college program or be an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator to get his kind of clout back up for him to try it again and at that point does he try does he change up his ways a little bit so it's just interesting here man everybody kind of you know instantly expects success when you're bringing in a, either a new quarterback or a new head coach and it really doesn't work like that yes Tom Brady did it but I mean he's a true veteran and they had Bruce Arians who's always been a good head coach just never had that good quarterback and it, I mean we need the quarterback I mean uh, the the 100% proof is you know Bill Belichick floundering last year with just Cam Newton um, Andy Reid finally winning championships when he has the right quarterback so the quarterback and the head coach 
are two truly important pieces and it doesn't work instantly it doesn't always work year one and it especially doesn't work year one from a quarterback that you know came off an injury never really has that only has like one full season under his belt and Matt Rule who has never coached in the NFL at all so We'll see what's going to happen this year with the Panthers, and we'll see if Matt Rule switches up the practice style. We'll see if Sam Donald's having success this season. We'll see if Teddy Bridgewater's having success this season, and that's really just going to determine but uh, you know who was right and um, whether it w- was Matt Rule right, was Teddy Bridgewater right. So it's really going to take this entire season to really figure out what who was right, who was wrong here during this whole kind of saga of Matt Rule and Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers. Uh, but, you know, we'll be expect- we'll be inspecting it all season. We'll be breaking it down all season. And just another storyline to keep in mind. But uh, just a little, just real interesting that, uh, you know, this college, this college coach, Matt Rule, just got rid of Teddy Bridgewater one year after one year. I don't like it. All righty. Let's go to this now. Long time. Defensive edge rusher Ryan Kerrigan for the Washington football team has left Washington and went to division rival to the Eagles. So a decent pickup here for the Eagles and not a bad loss here for the Washington football team. I mean, we know they've been shoring up their defense these past kind of last two seasons, definitely last season drafting Trey Young and it was great already. And then they kind of, you know, doubled down on the this year's draft with defensive talent. So the... The Chicago Bears, or not the Chicago Bears, the Washington football team. Let's get them up. Uh, they're, they're really not in a need for him anymore. When we look at what Ryan Kerrigan has done, um, you know, recently, I mean, he only started one game last year for Washington, never really utilized that much. So Washington's really not losing that big of a piece here. He's, you know, a little maybe aging out of this league a little bit. He's been in the league already for what do we got nine, 10 seasons already. So an aging edge rusher that the Washington f- football team doesn't really need anymore. And is that really going to be that great for the Eagles here? When we look at what the Eagles got, I mean, oh, let's go back to Ryan Kerrigan's stats. What did he do last season? He still did five and a half sacks last season. He also did five and a half sacks in 2019 as well. In this kind of prime here, we're looking at 13 and a half double digit sacks here. He had 11 in 2016, 13 in 2017, 13 in 2018, and then he just started to fall off a little bit because he's not being utilized that much. Only played 12 games in 2019, and like we said, only started one game last season for those five and a half sacks, but still gets quarterback pressures. Still can kind of disrupt the uh, the offense a little bit, and when we look at uh, when we look at the Eagles' kind of depth chart here, and look at kind of where Ryan Kerrigan is really going to fit in, he doesn't need to come in and be the starter. So a nice kind of veteran, good, reliable, proven talent coming off the bench here, or just in that kind of rotation of edge rushers. We know a lot of teams like to rotate their edge rushers to keep them fresh, so they can always kind of you know bull rush or do whatever they need to do. With you know, with they're out there for one or two plays at a time, get taken out. We'll sub in another one. We'll sub him out after two or three plays just to keep those legs fresh. So it's not a little bad pickup here for the Eagles. Yes, he's kind of you know aging out yes he's maybe a little past his prime but you know just keeping him in the rotation and we see that Brandon Graham is the the starting kind of you know edge rusher here one of the starter edge rushers and he had eight sacks last season so not bad you get his eight sacks Brandon Graham and then you know count another five and a half coming off of you know the second unit here for the Eagles so not a bad pickup here we'll see how he's playing if he's still able to kind of play at a high level here 
in his, uh, you know, going into his like 12th full season here in the league. So we'll see how he's kind of progressing. But I also kind of want to bring up because the NFL tweeted this out, just a nice little highlight package on what he's doing. And, you know, he's definitely had a good career. Obviously, nobody's doubting him. He's definitely, you know, do I don't not a Hall of Famer, but maybe a ring of honor. They put Ryan Kerrigan there in Washington. Maybe if he stayed his entire career there, uh, now that he's going to a division rival, maybe not, maybe not. Uh, but, you know, we're just watching these highlights here. Solid work, getting pressure on the quarterback, forcing the fumbles. That's, you know, what he's always been great at, bringing down Matt Stafford instantly here, getting the, him down here. Yes, sir. Sacking Dak Prescott on the one-yard line. Ball comes out, and then they're able to scoop and score for that one-yard touchdown. So he's able to get the pressure. He's a phenomenal talent. It's just how he's going to work here. And then I also kind of want to bring this up. Like we said, the NFL tweeted this out. And then the, the NFL <laughs> tweets this out as well. Off-season additions here for the Eagles. And it's Ryan Kerrigan. Once again, you know, a little older out there. We'll see how he performs. Devontae Smith, they just drafted wide receiver. Carrion Johnson, Anthony Harris. So those three are all right. But then they also had Joe Flacco. It's like, the you know, the Eagles are getting excited about, you know, an older Ryan Kerrigan and, you know, a non-starting quarterback of Joe Flacco. Just a little interesting and a little comical there that this NFL team, that the NFL and, you know, fans of the Eagles are really kind of getting excited about Joe Flacco. Like, what the, what the hell is that? What the hell is that about? Um, but, uh, yeah, the Eagles get Ryan Kerrigan. We'll see if he plays out. We'll see if he works out uh, for the Eagles this year. Alrighty, let's move on to this. I know we don't talk about um, hockey at all on the show, but man, oh man, do I love me some playoff hockey and the freaking Islanders and the, who is this, the uh, the Penguins. The Islanders and the Penguin, Penguins faced off yesterday in the playoffs. And man, oh man, look at this overtime winner. Ooh, going straight corner. Right up there, right between the face mask and the shoulder blade, right in that small space of the top right corner. That's why I love hockey, the finesse of the game, getting it in, those tight shots is just absolutely beautiful watching it. And man, oh man, what an overtime game winner there by the Islanders to uh, take game one of the first round of the playoffs. So very well done to that. Just love watching, love watching kind of playoff sports. Obviously baseball, I don't watch any of the regular season. I do like kind of the playoffs though. Same thing with hockey. Um, you know, regular season is just all right. Playoffs is are you know the beef of it, the meat of it. Same thing with basketball. I mean, the regular season is all right. It's nothing great. I mean, you got a lot of guys taking a lot of games off or load management, or you know they know it's just a long season, so they don't have to play every game. But then when those playoffs start, man, everybody's playing every single night at a high level consistently, and you just love to see it. So that's why we love playoffs. That's why we love playoff competition, and uh, it still stays the same for hockey. So. We'll We'll see if we can kind of do our moneymaker for the NHL tonight. But, uh, man, oh, man, what a what a shot here. And this doesn't want to play anymore, so I guess we'll have to move off of it. But, man, oh, man, top eight ball corner pocket for the Islanders to take the game one win. All righty, now some basketball news now. The Jazz officially clinched the number one seed in the West, and they also finished with the best record in the NBA. So they'll have home court advantage throughout the entire playoffs, the entire postseason, into the finals. So we'll see what they do with that number one seed. We'll see if they kind of go out and get it done. And then we have Donovan Mitchell. After the game ended, tweet out the uh, the praying hand emoji. Now, uh, you know, is that... 
emoji for the Jazz clinching the number one spot, or is this, you know, Donovan Mitchell coming back soon? Because uh, we definitely need Donovan Mitchell back for this playoff series. That's the only way the Jazz win the title this year is if Donovan Mitchell and Mike Connolly both are playing consistently. We just saw Mike Connolly back uh, two games ago. He's all good to go. Donovan Mitchell still out, but uh, he seems to be on track to start game one of their playoff series. So hopefully Donovan Mitchell is back and good to go. And then last night, LeBron James in the Lakers facing the Pelicans in a little bit of a meaningless game. Uh, LeBron James twisted his ankle at 6 minutes and 41 seconds left in the fourth quarter. He ended up leaving the game after this. So another kind of LeBron James coming back maybe a little bit too early. We saw this uh, a couple weeks ago when LeBron James kind of went out of that game with a twisted ankle. And then he said, hey, making the excuses of me, uh, came back a little bit too early, took more games off. And then he finally came back about two games ago but once again this ankle injury is hindering LeBron James they have to play the playing tournament and they're going to be the seventh or eighth seed they're going to have to kind of be ready to go because they're either going to be facing the Jazz or the Suns two great teams in the Western Conference so LeBron James the ankle it's not a real good sign for this Lakers team because we know if they don't have LeBron James there's no way they win the title there's probably no way they get to the Western Conference Finals maybe they win the first well maybe they, they probably won't even win the first round of the playoffs if they don't have LeBron James because like we said they either have to face the Jazz or the Suns so real bad here injury well not bad it's not real bad it's just real, real unfortunate that this injury is still plaguing LeBron James this ankle injury We'll see. You know, he's he doesn't even have that. He doesn't even have any time to rest because the playing tournament starts tomorrow. If you are certified a playoff spot, you don't even have to worry about playing till Saturday. But if you're in the playing tournament, games start tomorrow. And so we'll see if LeBron is good to go for the game. He should be. We're hoping he's good to go for the game. But once again, that ankle injury is something to keep an eye on. Is he going to be able to keep it good? Is he going to be able to stay healthy for 7, 14, 21, 28 potential games for their playoff run? Plus the playing tournament game, 29 games potentially. So we'll see how LeBron James is looking when he gets back. But not a good look going into the playoffs. And then after the game, he calls uh, Steph Curry the MVP. Quote here from LeBron. We're playing, in my mind, the MVP of this year in Steph. So uh, Lakers... Warriors is the first play-in game. It's the 7th and 8th seed. They both have two chances to get into the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, LeBron James calling Steph Curry the MVP. And we are going to kind of spend a lot of time on the MVP, Sixth Man of the Year, all the awards through this season because we are going to have time on the show. Uh, about only two games every day this week for the play-in tournament. So we will have free time in the show. So we will be debating on who wins the MVP, who wins the Sixth Man. That's all coming up. Not today. Starting tomorrow on the show, we'll be doing that. But, uh, you know, Steph Curry, the MVP, he's got a good case. He's definitely got a good case, especially since he was able to elevate this Warriors team to the seventh seed. Fantastic. Working without Kelly Oubre. I mean, Kelly Oubre not panning out this season is just adding more, more real kind of proof that Steph Curry is one of the greatest players to ever play this game getting it done almost single-handedly I mean when we look at the roster yeah they got Draymond Green and I am a big fan of Draymond Green but he's not the offensive productor out there he's a nice defender and nice facilitator but we can't rely on him for really any points Andrew Wiggins he's putting up a solid 15 a game which is definitely you know great in this league but we don't expect him to put up 25 30 points a night like Clay Thompson can do for Steph Curry so it's really Steph Curry building 
building his own momentum, getting all the energy, all the hype in the arena, taking away the momentum from the opposing team, eating that momentum himself, getting the crowd rocking, getting everybody involved, those deep threes, one, two, three at a time, nine quick points, once again, just sucking all the air out of the arena, so yes, Steph Curry does a lot just on the stats and the points and the rebounds and the assisting and the facilitating of the floor, but his aspect of just draining the energy of the opposing team, there's nobody else that does it as good as Steph Curry, so we'll investigate his case for MVP, it is a little tight, it is a little tough to make, because, you know, he really just started to come alive big time just probably like two months ago. So we'll have to fa factor all that in and we'll see if we can give the MVP to Steph Curry. If LeBron James says it, we got to hold it a little bit of weight. Or is LeBron James playing a little bit of mental manipulation going and, you know, praising, oh my God, Steph Curry's so freaking good. And, oh my God, I don't even know how we're going to beat him. And we know that he was going to just go and score, you know, 23s against us. We know we're expecting that and we're preparing for it. Maybe. LeBron's trying to get into Steph Curry's head for that playing tournament, so maybe Steph Curry is thinking to himself, damn, LeBron James? LeBron James thinks I'm the MVP? Damn, I gotta go show out, and man, oh man, so much more pressure on me now, and now they have to go face each other, so we'll see, man. We know LeBron James, he does some 4D chess sometimes. We know he's one of the greatest to ever do it, so uh, we'll see uh, We'll see how this playing tournament game is going to go with the Lakers and the Warriors. Absolutely going to be a great one. They probably, both these teams will be in the, play, will be in the playoffs. Um, you know, whoever loses the first playing game just face, go, goes to the next playing game, which uh, is going to be either against the Grizzlies or the, or the Spurs, and we just saw the Warriors beat the Grizzlies head up last night, and I'm not worried about LeBron James versus that Grizzlies inconsistency, so... LeBron James calls Steph Curry the MVP. Real or a mental game? We'll see. And then on that Steph Curry note of the MVP, Steph Curry's the NBA scoring champion this season. Put up the most points this season. Absolutely fantastic. He's averaging 32 points a game, folks. 32, 5, and 5. It's absolutely fantastic. Nothing else great on this team. No great bench. Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green are the other two kind of big pieces on this team. But when we're comparing kind of big pieces to every other team, I think I'm going to take every other big piece besides those two. So, and that was no, that's no disrespect to on, uh, Draymond Green because I truly respect what Draymond Green brings to this team. But to call him a number two, I don't know if we can really do that. So, Steph Curry, scoring champion, doing everything that he needed to do. Um, that winning mentality that he has. The unbelievable shooting from anywhere, anywhere, anytime against anybody on him. It doesn't matter. And he's still able to get it done. So, well done to Steph Curry. Another NBA scoring title under his belt. Man, oh man. He is building up his greatest of all time resume right before our eyes. And it's going to be a hell of a good one when it's all said and done. Alrighty, and then the last story. What do we got? Ooh, yeah, the Knicks. Holy moly. We know Tom Thibodeau is the defense guru, but man, oh man, he went to the Knicks and instantly got it done. So this is the Knicks defense. They are number one in opponents' points, holding them to only, uh, I think, 104 points a game. Fantastic. That's number one in the NBA. Last season, the Knicks were 18th in that category. 
The Knicks are also number one in opposing field goal percentage, holding their opponents to the lowest percent shooting in the entire NBA. So fantastic. Last year, they were 27th in that category. They are also, they are also number one in opponents' three-point percentage, number one in that category. Last year, they were 28th. There's only 30 teams in this league, folks. And then their defensive rating is fourth best in this season. And last season, it was 23rd. So Tom Thibodeau instantly making a huge impact defensively here for the Knicks. And when you look at their team, they've got no superstar, folks. They got Julius Randle and RJ Barrett. I mean, those are not superstar level, all-star level, A1 tier 1 players, folks. I mean, we barely even talk about those players. Um, until this season, and then they really kind of blossomed and emerged and took off. So, uh, huge respects to them. But this is the best thing that the Knicks have going for them, heading into a little bit of a dangerous playoff scenario. They've got the defense. Now, their offense is very lackluster when you're looking just kind of their top to bottom starters bench roster on what they can do on a nightly basis scoring the basketball. It's really you, you have to rely on Julius Randle and RJ Barrett. That's really the only two main starters you can rely on for scoring the basketball, getting us kind of 20, 25, 30 plus points every single night. And then off the bench, it's really just Derrick Rose. Emmanuel Quickly is still really big hit and miss out there. So they don't have a lot of nice, true scores that can go buy a bucket whenever they need to. So they're going to have to rely on their defense. Luckily, they got Tom Thibodeau, one of the best head coach. Well, I would say I would call him the best defense head coach that there is in the NBA and I don't think anybody else would have too much problems agreeing with that statement so absolutely fantastically well done to this Knicks team we just did our final power rankings in the NBA yesterday on the show and we put the Knicks at number nine giving them showing them a lot of love yes I don't really love all their offense but man oh man they get it done defensively and we'll see how well that does for this year in the NBA Let's quickly take a look at their first-round matchup, and they've got the Hawks, man, a nice offensive scoring team. So uh, right out of the gate, the Knicks are going to be tested and challenged against this against this Hawks team. We're going to determine the winner of that series in just a little bit once we get to our once we get to that segment in the show. But uh, huge shout out to Tom Thibodeau, huge shout out to this Knicks team, instantly turning around this franchise, and you got to give them so much credit for that. Alrighty, those were all the stories that we needed to uh, talk about for today. So let's head over to the NBA. We'll break down all the games that happened yesterday. We'll go through these quickly because a lot of these games were meaningless. Um, and a lot of teams were not playing any of their starters. So we can go through these quickly. And then we'll do our moneymaker for the NHL. We'll kind of talk about that briefly, very quickly. And then we'll uh, head over to walking through the postseason in the NBA. And then we'll do our NFL schedule, weeks seven and eight prediction, picking all the winners. So here we go. First game up is the Knicks and the Celtics. And the Knicks getting the win here, 96 to 92, trying to shore up to officially claim that fourth seed. We still knew that they could have dropped down to the fifth seed, potentially the sixth, if they lost, but they went out and beat the Celtics. Celtics were tied into that number seven seed anyway, so that's why they didn't play any of their starters. This is what they're, um, well, let's start here with the Knicks since they got the win. Uh, we got R.J. Barrett. 
22 points on 58% shooting. That's what we're talking about. Once again, the offense, we need them to get it done. Julius Randle, 20 points, 7 assists, 7 rebounds. He had an awful shooting night, 29% on 17 shots. Uh, Reggie Bullock had a nice night, 16 points on 66% shooting from the field, 4 of 7 from 3. Absolutely well done. We have seen Reggie Bullock be a little uh, nice emergence here, scoring the ball for the Knicks team. So he's definitely going to be a huge piece. They're going to need him to put up 15 points a game, folks. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll see if he's able to continue this in the playoffs. Alfred Payton, zero points on four shots. We can't really rely on him. And then Nerland's Null, 2.6 rebounds in 32 minutes, only taking two shots. Once again, they don't really use Nerland's Null as an offensive big down there just to clog the paint, get the boards, and that's really all he does out there. And then off the bench, Derrick Rose, light night, seven points on three of nine from the field. We cannot have that in the playoffs. That will never get it done. Luckily, Alec Burks stepped up big time for this Knicks team. 17 points on five of seven from the three. We'll take that all day, along with six rebounds. Absolutely fantastic. And then Emmanuel quickly, once again, two points on one of seven from three. This is not going to get it done. We need Emmanuel quickly to get it done and be that great presence here, or this Knicks team is going to be bound out first round of the playoffs yes the defense is good but we still need points as well and I'm not looking at any really great scoring potential here um, so it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for this next team but um, hopefully Julius Randle and RJ Barrett can really kind of step it up even more than what they've been doing in this regular season once the postseason begins but we well, like we said we are, they're gonna need this bench as well because uh, that's the only way that the Knicks can really get it done the starters in the bench working well together all right, I mean, they, they only won by four against the, the third string, the C team of the Celtics team. It's really not a great look uh, coming off of your last game especially kind of giving up a lead. I mean, didn't they get outscored big time? I mean, look at this, getting outscored big time in the second half, 26 to 23 outscored in the third quarter and then outscored 27 to 19 in the fourth quarter. So really kind of floundering, losing that big lead that they accumulated in the first two quarters. So once again, a little little signs of concern. If the offense isn't rolling, this Knicks team is not going to be going anywhere in the playoffs. All right, and then, and then the Celtics now just kind of all their bench players. Uh, Peyton Pritchard in the starting lineup, six points on two of ten from the field. Come on, Peyton Pritchard. We need you to be big time here in the playoffs. We need scoring out the bench. Without Jalen Brown, I don't know if we can give the Celtics team any real meaningful wins once we walk through the schedule. But, uh, man, oh, man, Peyton Pritchard, please step it up. Aaron Nesmith off the bench, you have to step it up as well. Please, two points on one of six from the field. Come on, can somebody be good scoring the basketball for the Celtics team? Be Besides Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier, please, somebody, please. Off the bench here for the Celtics, maybe some promising signs. Jabari Parker putting up 18 points. Carson Edwards putting up 10 points. And Trey Mont Waters uh, putting up 17 points. So we'll see what the Celtics can do with their bench. Yes, we know they got a decent big three, but it's going to be even worse without Jalen Brown in the playoffs. Alrighty, next game up is the Pacers and the Raptors. Pacers get the win, and they secure themselves the ninth seed because the Hornets lost against the Wizards. So real meaningless game here. Raptors really can't play any for can't really play for anything. Pacers were locked into the ninth or tenth seed anyway. No chance of a movement up to that eighth seed, unfortunately. So they are in kind of the ninth seed here. They get a home. They get the home playing game for the first game. That's good, but you have to win that one. And then you have to win the second game if you want to kind of truly get into the playoffs. So Pacers get the win. Sabonis still at the 5, 25 points, 16 rebounds, 5 assists. 
Uh, Karis LeVert still at the 1, 13.6 assists. Justin Halliday at the 2, 7 points on 22% shooting. 1 of 6 from 3, not good. O'Shea Brissett at the 4, 31 points, 10 rebounds. What a night. And then Doug McDermott, 20 points, 2 assists. So, real nice offensive production from some nice uh, starters here. Sabonis. Brissett, McDermott really getting it done. And then this bench stepping it up big time. TJ McConnell, 12 points, 17 assists. 17 assists, yes, sir. Um, and then Kalen Martin, 13 points, four rebounds off the bench. So Pacers get a nice win here, and we'll see how they're able to kind of handle this playing tournament because they are going to be facing the Hornets game one. And speaking of facing the Hornets game one, last night the Wizards and the Hornets winner gets that eighth seed and Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal step up to the occasion and get the nice five-point win. So an absolutely huge win for the Wizards last night. A little disappointing loss by the Hornets. We do like the root for this Hornets team, but ever since LaMelo Ball has really came back to this starting lineup, they have not been the same. They have not really kind of gotten back onto the same rhythm that they had before the injury where they were like they were like the fifth seed at one point in this Eastern Conference, folks. This was a solid team when everybody was healthy and they were just hitting their stride. Then the injuries plagued them, and they've really never been the same since. So... Hornets fall all the way down to the 10th seed in this Eastern Conference. Going to be a huge battle for them to get into the playoffs officially. I don't see it happening. But like we said, we'll, we will talk about that once we get to the segment of determining the winners of the playing tournaments and the playoffs. Uh, so let's start here with the Wizards. Russell Westbrook, 23 points, 10 assists, 15 rebounds, triple, double, with only three turnovers. Love that. And they kind of moved the starting lineup. Bradley Beal back at the two, 25 points, four assists, six rebounds. We saw him spend a lot of time at the three. They changed it up. They moved Davis Bertans to the starting lineup at the three, 11 points, three rebounds, and only three of seven from the three. Ruby Hachimura still at the four, 16.6 rebounds, and Alex Len still at the five, only playing four minutes, though, no points in one rebound. Off the bench, we got Ish Smith. I mean, this is great, man. Ish Smith has been consistent ever since he's been back healthy off the bench, so we absolutely love it. Ish Smith, 14 points, 7 assists, 8 rebounds. A great night. And Robin Lopez, he's going to be huge for this team. Basically is the starting center out here now. 18 points and 6 rebounds. So, well done for this Wizards team to get the win and secure the 8th seed. We absolutely love it, man. And now for the Hornets, LaMelo Ball, 19 points, 5 assists, 7 rebounds. He shot 33% on 21 shots, 2 of 8 from the 3. Definitely could have been a little bit better out there. Terry Rogier at the 2, 22 points, led the team in scoring. Very well done, 9 assists, 9 rebounds. P.J. Washington at the 5, 11 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists. I really think he plays the 5 better than he plays the 4 or the 3, wherever they kind of stick him. So we'll see if they kind of stick with him at the 5 for this playing tournament. Jalen McDaniels at the four, 13 points, four rebounds. And Miles Bridges, 17 points, four rebounds. Off the bench, we get Devontae Graham, 15 points, two assists, two rebounds. Need Devontae Graham to be a nice scorer out here, and he gave us nice points off the bench. Cody Zeller, 11 points and four rebounds and two assists. And then Malik Monk only playing five minutes. Biz McBiombo only playing five minutes off the bench. So Hornets just a little light in the scoring department, and they lose by five. Unfortunate, but I'm rooting for them. Against the Pacers, 100%. Let's go get it done, Hornets. Alrighty, next game up is the Suns in the Spurs now. No real need to win here for the Suns. They were really kind of locked into that number two seed. The Spurs locked into that number 10 seed, so it didn't really matter who won the game. But the Suns come up 123-121, a nice little 
two-point squeak-out win here. For the Suns, all their starters were pretty much out yesterday, so this was their starting lineup that they rocked with. Cameron Payne at the 1, Javon Carter at the 2, McCall Bridges at the 3, Jalen Smith at the 4, and Dario Sarek at the 5. Cameron Payne, 19.6 assists. Javon Carter, 19 points, 9 assists, 10 rebounds. Dario Sarek, 13 points. Jalen Smith, 11 points, 10 rebounds. So, decent work here by their bench. This is what we need to do. This is what the Suns need to do. They need their bench to all get it done. So, this was a nice little kind of momentum-building game for all the bench players to get into the starting lineup, to kind of, you know, be dependent to, be dependent to score most of or all of the points here. And they kind of got it done. So, Cameron Payne. Dario Sarek, Javon Carter all use this for the for the playoffs for the bench to get it done because we need the Suns bench to really kind of be nice and uh, really get it done on a consistent basis. So we'll see if this uh, game here, this meaningless game against the Spurs, jumpstarts their kind of bench for when the playoffs start. And then off the bench, I mean, they uh, they also got some nice production out there. Torrey Craig, 11.6 rebounds. Frank Kaminsky, 11 points, 10 rebounds. Etuan Moore, 22 points, 2 assists, 2 rebounds. He shot 90%, folks, on 10 shots. Very well done. And then Langston Galloway, 10 points off the bench as well. So we need the Suns bench to get it done. And this was a nice kind of jumpstart game for that. And then the Spurs really kind of starting their regular starting lineup. Can't beat the B team of the Suns. Never a good look here. The Spurs team is going to get bounced first game, folks, truly. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, 23 points, four, uh, four assists. Jacob Podol, 17 points, 10 rebounds. Lonnie Walker only putting up nine points. Jonte Murray only putting up six points on 30% shooting. So nothing great there. Off the bench, only Rudy Gay putting up 12 points and then really lackluster by everybody else. So um, Quinn, uh, Quindary, Weatherspoon put up 11 points as well. But cannot trust the Spurs team for anything. And we're not going to be trusting them in the playing tournament. So they lose by two last night. All right, the Warriors and the Grizzlies, a big game. That meant whoever won this game got the eighth seed. At, yeah, whoever won this game got the eighth seed. So very well done for this Warriors team to step it up. A little unfortunate in this game. Dylan Brooks was guarding Steph Curry and was really kind of, you know, locking him up all game and the game was close. And then Dylan Brooks unfortunately follows out uh, with like six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Steph Curry goes right back on his bullshit, really ices the game. So unfortunate, Dylan Brooks fouls out and the Grizzlies can't keep up. So the Warriors last night, Steph Curry, 46 points, 9 of 22 from 3, folks. Oh, my goodness. He is the only player that can do that, and uh, he makes it look good. 40% from 3 on 22 shots. Oh, my freaking goodness. Uh, so 9 assists, 7 rebounds go along with those 46 points. Kent Bazemore only took one shot, only put up 2 points. Kevon Looney, 6 points, 11 rebounds. Draymond Green, 14 points, 9 assists, 9 rebounds. And Andrew Wiggins, 21 points, 10 rebounds on 56% shooting. Very well done. And then off the bench, Jordan Poole, 15 points. Very well done. Juan Toscano-Anderson, 9 points, 3 rebounds. We will take that. Michael Mulder playing 14 minutes, 2 shots, 0 points. But uh, we know this Warriors team can get it done without... Um, um, who's the guy? Who is the guy? Kelly Oubre Jr., and, uh, you know, he doesn't play. They only play three players off the bench, and Steph Curry does what he does. So whenever you have Steph Curry, you got a good chance of winning the game. It's basically like having LeBron James out there. So, All right, now the Grizzlies now. 
Here we go. John Morant, 16 points, 9 assists, 1 of 6 from 3, 33% from the field. A little off night by that man. Dylan Brooks, 18 points, 6 assists, 2 rebounds. Unfortunately, fouled out. And, uh, you know, he had, had that absolutely great defense on Steph Curry. I mean, when we look at the starters here, John Morant, a minus 16 on the floor. Valanchunas, minus 13 on the floor. Jaron Jackson Jr., minus 4 on the floor. And Kyle Anderson, a minus 9. But when we look at Dylan Brooks, a plus 7, man. That absolute great defense defense by him truly lost him the game by him following out last night uh Jonas Valanciunas 29 points 16 rebounds great night by him last night Jaron Jackson 14.7 rebounds and then Kyle Anderson 10 points 5 rebounds 4 assists so they've got everybody back this Grizzlies team is kind of healthy yes they're still missing Grayson Allen he should be good to go by the time the playoffs start if they get into the playoffs he's got a concussion so I'm not sure if he's going to be make he's going to be making it back for their first playing tournament game but we'll see what happens and then just off the bench, nothing good by this Grizzlies team. The leading scorer off the bench was Desmond Bain, only eight points. So nothing good there. So definitely need their bench to step it up a little bit more. And uh, they unfortunately lose to the Warriors last night. All right, then we get the Rockets and the Hawks here. Hawks beat the Rockets, no problem here. Rockets have been garbage for the entire back half of the season. And the Hawks... Um, kind of resting some of their players. Trey Young only played 16 minutes. John Collins only played 16 minutes. And uh, Clint Capella didn't even play. So um, don't really need to spend too much time on this game. It was an absolute blah. Hawks get the win 124-95. Nothing changes here. The Knicks won earlier in the day. So the Hawks knew they couldn't really move up to the fourth. And the Rockets are absolutely playing for nothing like we know. So uh, we can take a look at what Kelly Olenek did real quick. Because that's the only person that's really been playing consistently here. He had 16 points, 4 assists, and 6 rebounds. So... We'll see if Kelly Olenek is here with the Rockets next season, if he goes somewhere else. Uh, but, you know, he's been actually balling out here when it's just his lonesome. So we'll give him a lot of credit. Alrighty, the Nets and the Cavs. Nets get the win. No James Harden last night. Kyrie Irving played. Kevin Durant played. And they're able to beat the Cavs 123-109. So the Nets last night, Kyrie Irving, 17 points, th six rebounds, two assists, three steals, three blocks. Nice night by him. He shot very well, three of three from three, and 63% overall from the field. Also, Kyrie Irving joins the 50-40-90 club, shooting 50% from the field, 40% from the three, 90% from the free throw line. Has not been done that much. I think it's only, I want to say... I want to say less than 20 players, and if my memory is serving me correctly, I want to say it's like only 9 or 11 players have done it in the history of the NBA. So, shout out to Kyrie Irving. Got it done this season. So, we'll give him the credit that he definitely deserves for that. Landry Shamit, 12 points. Blake Griffin still at the starting five. Really don't love that going into the playoffs here. Uh, really would like to see kind of DeAndre Jordan starting in the lineup. Blake Griffin coming off the bench. And then Nicholas Claxton playing a ton of minutes at the five um, off the bench. But that's just how I see it. But Blake Griffin, nine points, two assists, one, one rebound. One rebound by the man. All righty. Uh, 0 of 2 from the three. Classic Blake Griffin. Uh, Blake uh, Bruce Brown at the four, 12 points, four assists, four rebounds, and then Kevin Durant. Y'all know how that man does. 23 points, 13 assists, eight rebounds, 80% on 10 shots. Got to love it. Off the bench here, we got Nicholas Claxton, four points, five rebounds. Jeff Green, 13 points, and Mike James. Man, oh, man, Mike James getting it done here for this Nets team. Is he going to be the surprise sleeper slash underdog come this playoffs? Uh, it could definitely well be. Mike James, 14 points, 8 assists, 4 rebounds. We'll take that. So, Nets are able to beat the Cavs. Any, anybody do good on this Cavs team last night? Jared Allen, 9 points, 11 rebounds, facing his former team. 
Callan Sexton, only 16 points. Darius Garland not playing. So we don't need to talk about this Cavs team anymore. <laughs> Thank goodness this Cavs season is over. Thank goodness the Rockets season is over as well. All right, moving on to the 76ers and the Magic. 76ers get the win here, 128-117. Let's see what the 76ers did using all their B squad. No starters playing, so that's why the game was a little close. But this was their starting lineup, and once again, I love it. Once again, you know, the, the, the backups, the bench, getting into the starting lineup for the last game, for the entire game, win or lose, it's all on y'all. Get it done off the with the points department for this bench team to kind of jumpstart their playoffs. So we'll see how this kind of strategy works out. We saw it with the Suns. We're seeing it here with the 76ers. So this was their starting lineup last night. Tyrese Maxey at the 1, George Hill at the 2, Shake Milton at the 3, Cork Maz at the 4, and Dwight Howard at the 5. Uh, so here we go. Tyrese Maxey, 30 points, 6 assists, 7 rebounds. He shot 3 of 4 from the 3, and 57% on 19 shots from the field. Very well done. George Hill, 14 points on efficient as heck shooting. Only missed one 3 of the night, 83% on 6 shots. Dwight Howard, 5 points and 7 rebounds. Letting us down a little bit. Doesn't Didn't really improve his play off the bench to the starting lineup. Cork Maz, 6 points, 4 assists, and Shake Milton, 15 points, 9 assists, and 4 rebounds. So really nobody elevating their play besides Tyrese Maxey uh, getting into the starting lineup. So not the best, not the best last night. And then off the bench here for the 76ers, Isaiah Joe, 17 points, Paul Reed, 17 points, 12 rebounds, and Rajon Tucker. We'll see if any of those players make a, make a uh, splash in uh, the playoffs. I doubt it. And then for the Magic, anybody do good out here? Cole Anthony, yes, sir. Is this their rookie? Is this their rookie, Cole Anthony? Let's see. He is. Oh, my goodness. What a game by him last night to end out the season. 37 points, 8 assists, 2 rebounds. He wasn't efficient, 40% at 25 shots, but we'll take those 37 points. Absolutely building it up a little bit, and let's see how this Magic team can kind of regroup um, next season. All right, let's keep moving on here. The Heat and the Pistons and the Heat were kind of locked into that kind of uh, seed, um, that sixth seed because the Knicks won earlier in the day and the Hawks were winning as well. But the uh, Heat still get the win. Um, kind of benching a lot of their players as well. All their starters really not playing, so we don't have to spend too much time on here. Anybody do good for the Heat? Uh, Precious Uchua. 23 points, 10 rebounds at the 5. Tyler Hero at the starting 2. 16 points, 11 assists, 6 rebounds. He shot 1 of 5 from 3. Jeez, Tyler Hero, can you be good for once in the starting lineup? Duncan Robinson at the 3. 8 points, 2 rebounds. He kind of floundered as well. He only played 19 minutes. And um, anybody else do good here? Uh, Namaja Jelica, 21 points, 6 assists, 6 rebounds. That was pretty good. And Max Russ off the bench, 20 points. And the Pistons, absolutely trash, but Sadiq Bey, 22 points, 4-15 from the three. That man was just letting it fly. He's like, hey, it's the last game of the season. I don't care. 15 threes, I'll shoot it up. <laughs> um, and then nothing else good by the Pistons. So good riddance to the Pistons for this year. Thank goodness. Bulls beat the Bucks. The Bucks were locked into that third seed, so they were really kind of not putting anybody out there. And the Bulls' last game of the season, kind of uh, resting all their good pieces anyway. But uh, Kobe White was still out there, and Thaddeus Young was still out there. So Kobe White, 19 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. And Thaddeus Young, 20 points, led the team in scoring, 6th man of the year. I mean, if you're leading the team in scoring on the last game of the season, I'll give you 6th man of the year. 
Uh, Thaddeus Young, though, at the 5, the 20 points and the 7 rebounds. So, nothing uh, great here. No no real. You know, Bulls were already eliminated from the playoffs, and the Bucks were locked in the third seed. All right, the Mavericks and the Timberwolves. Mavericks were pretty much locked into that uh, fifth seed as well with everything that happened during the day. So they don't really start anybody. Um, no, actually they did. That was my bad. They were still fighting for that uh, fourth. No, they were still fighting. Were they still fighting the Blazers? The Blazers won last night. They did. Yeah, okay. So they were still kind of locked into that fifth seed, couldn't move up to the four, uh, but they still lost last night. Not good. They were starting all their players. They only played about 20 minutes, uh, 20, 25 minutes. But Luka Doncic, 18 points, six assists, six rebounds. Tim Hardaway Jr. still in the starting lineup at the two, 15 points and four assists. Dwight Powell at the five, six points, seven rebounds, eight assists. And Porzingis still at the four, 18 points, four rebounds. Dorian Finney-Smith at the three, 15 points, five rebounds. So not a great night by everybody. It was a solid night. Nobody going above and beyond. Off the bench, anything good here? Nikola Melli, 10 points, five rebounds. Jalen Brunson, 15 points off the bench. And Josh Richardson, 11 points, four assists, five rebounds off the bench. And then they lose, by, lose to the Timberwolves. And once again, very well done to the Timberwolves winning the last game of the season. Ricky Rubio officially off the bench or on the bench now. D'Angelo Russell, the official number one here. And look what they did, folks, on the kind of lineup we were dreaming of. D'Angelo Russell at the one, Anthony Edwards at the two, Carl Anthony Towns at the three. They all got it done. D'Angelo Russell, 23 points, 10 assists. Anthony Edwards, 30 points, four assists, five of nine from three. And then Carl Anthony Towns, 23 points, five assists, nine rebounds. So, very well done. Huge silver lining for this Timberwolves team going into next season. Everybody getting it done. And look at the starting lineup, able to beat the Mavericks in the last game of the season. So, give this Timberwolves team so much credit, man. Unfortunately, Carl Anthony Towns with the COVID. Um, D'Angelo Russell out for basically the entire season. And uh, they were getting it done, man. They were truly getting it done um, in the back half of the season. So, uh, what did they finish with their last 10 games? What did they finish at? 5-5? Five and five? Not bad, honestly. So, unfortunate that this Timberwolves team couldn't be a little bit more competitive in the first half of the season, like we said with those injuries. But a um, ton of credit for getting it done when there was nothing to play for and they were still putting it together on a nightly basis. So, so much credit to this Timberwolves team. Cannot wait for them next season. All right, the Lakers and the Pelicans here. Lakers get the win, 110-98. Lock up that seventh seed. All right, the Lakers. LeBron James, we saw him go down with the last six minutes left, but he had 25 points and six assists. Anthony Davis, 14 points, five rebounds. Andre Drummond, 13 points, 13 rebounds. KCP at the two, 10 points, six assists. And then Dennis Schroeder, still at the one, 12 points, four assists, three rebounds. So not a bad night overall by the starters. And then nothing great off the bench. Kyle Kuzma, 8 points. Marcus All, 3 points, 7 rebounds. Alex Caruso, 9 points, 5 assists. Taylor Horton Tucker, 6 points. So we'll see how everybody does in the playoffs. Pelicans, uh, not doing anybody out here, not playing anybody. Jackson Hayes got injured. Hopefully it's not serious. It looked bad. He was crying. I believe it was his knee. So hopefully he's good to go for next season. Hopefully it's not a big career ruiner. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, 14 points, 5 assists, 4 rebounds. Jackson Hayes off the bench, 10 points, 7 rebounds. So nothing great from this Pelicans team. 
Moving on, last three games here. Clippers and the Thunder, and the Clippers lose. And this is what we have to talk about now. The Clippers lose and the Nuggets lose. It seemed like they were both trying to tank for that fourth seed to face the Mavericks and not face the Blazers. So... Clippers and the Nuggets both had a chance at the three and fourth seed. Clippers could have got the third seed if they won and the Nuggets lost. And the Nuggets could have got the third seed if they won. But they both seemed like they were tanking. The Clippers faced the Thunder, folks. The Thunder. Yes, they didn't play anybody. But there's still no reason why you should have lost to that Thunder team. I'm going to bring up the Thunder schedule because we knew they were actively tanking. I want to see... How many games it took them to win five games in the last kind of back half of the season here? So here we go. These were their last games here for the for the Thunder. Last night they won against the Clippers. Then it's loss, loss, loss. Or yeah, we're starting over with the losses. So it's win by the Clippers, and then it's loss, 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 loss. Loss, loss, win, and then back to a loss. That's 10 losses right there. And then more loss, 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 loss. That's 20. Back to loss, loss, loss. That's another win. Then we got another loss, a loss, a loss, a win, a loss, another, another win. So... They went 5-22 in their last 27 games. 5-22 in their last 27, and the Clippers' B squad still couldn't beat them. That was an active tank job last night. Same with the Nuggets. Really kind of getting blown out by the Blazers when they were kind of starting all their players, but did not play them for the entire game. So, a lot of tanking going on last night that I don't really like. I mean, you just got to face who you got to face. Is there that much of a difference between the Mavericks and the Blazers? Yeah, maybe a little bit. The Blazers have a lot more good outside shooters and a lot more players that you have to guard where when you're facing the Mavericks, you only have to guard Luka Doncic and maybe Porzingis if he's having an all right night, but that doesn't happen too much. So um, we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, both of them lost, so there was no movement. Uh, Nuggets are still a three. Clippers are still a floor, four. But last night, the Clippers, anything uh, concerning? They were on the tank job, so we don't have to, you know, inspect this too much. Reggie Jackson only played six minutes for six points. Patrick Beverly played 18 minutes with the 11 points and four assists. So just everybody's tanking, so we don't really have to talk about this game too much. Um, we could talk about the Thunder because they've got a win, so that's pretty impressive. You know, doesn't matter if they were the other team was tanking. But Alexev Puko-Sovetsky had a pretty good game, 29 points, led the team in scoring, eight rebounds, six of nine from three. We'll see how he kind of goes on year two next year. Um, Josh Hall had 15 points and Moses Brown had 24 points. So not a bad game overall by the Thunder. The Stars all got it done. Got a shout out to respect to that. Uh, but that Clippers team, mm, tanking, meh, not liking it. And then for the Nuggets, I mean, Michael Porter Jr. only played 15 minutes. Aaron Gordon only played 12 minutes. Jokic only played 16 minutes. Jokic still had 21 points. Michael Porter had 9 points on 37% shooting. Aaron Gordon only took 4 shots, only made 1, 2 points. Classic Aaron Gordon. Uh, but Fakando Capaz only playing two, 13 minutes as well. 2 assists, two, re, 2 rebounds, 2 points. Austin Rivers playing 20 minutes, 4 points on 2 of 5 from the field. Nothing, you know, nothing great there. So we'll see how the Nuggets do in the playoffs. Hopefully this game of, you know, 
not getting it done doesn't bite him in the butt. Hopefully. I don't see it happening like that, but we'll see. All right, and then the last game of the regular season, Jazz and the Kings. Jazz get the big old win, 121-99. Jazz resting, not everybody. I mean, Rudy Gobert played 27 minutes. Bohan Bogdanovich played 30 minutes trying to, you know, secure that number one seed in the Western Conference against the Kings, and they went and did that. Jordan Clarkson off the bench, put up 33 points, led the team in scoring by far. Um, he'll probably win sixth man of the year, but like we said, we'll kind of uh, we'll walk through all the scenarios of all the possible sixth man of the year uh, during this week. Uh, Joe Ingles, 10 points, 7 assists. Mike Connolly, 11 points, 9 assists. Rudy Gobert, 13.16 rebounds. Very well done. And like we said, Bo- Bohan Bogdanovich, 18 points, 4 assists, 6 rebounds. Derek Favors, 10 points off the bench. And Georges Niang, 10 points off the bench as well. Really good bench night last night. So, Jazz get the big old win. Very well done. And like we said, there is no NBA on today. But play-in games start tomorrow. So, we'll have that uh, to talk about on the show tomorrow. Alrighty, before we uh, start talking about the NBA playoffs, let's head over to our moneymaker. The NHL, they got playoffs on today. Also, we did an 11, a 12-teamer yesterday, so let's talk about that quickly. Uh, we had the Knicks minus 12.5. That uh, obviously did not happen. They really kind of blew their big lead in the second half, so we missed out on the Knicks minus 12.5. They only won by four. Then we get the Hornets plus 6.5, and, and they only lost by five, so very well done to them. We knew they were going to be competitive, so we took the points there. Then we got the Pacers, minus 6.5 from last night. They won by 12 points there. Very well done. The Spurs, plus 3.5. They lost by, what do we say, 2 points. So win with the cover. We'll take that. Warriors, minus 3.5. They blow by the Grizzlies in the fourth quarter. They win by 12. So we hit on the Warriors, minus 3.5. So, so far, we only, only we only had that one loss of the Knicks, minus 12.5. Let's keep going here. The Hawks, minus 12.5, was a, another one of our picks. And they go out and blow out the Rockets by, uh, what is this, 90, 124 to 95. That's way more than uh, 8 points there. Then we get the 76ers minus 7.5. They win by 11. Bingo, bango. Then we get the Nets minus 13. Did they cover? Um, Yes, they did. They win by 14. 123 to 109. Bingo, bango there. Heat minus 5. They win by 13. Lakers minus 8. Did they cover the 8? They did. They win by 12. The Nuggets, plus nine and a half. They did not cover that. They got blown out by 16, unfortunate. So that was another loss. And then the Clippers, minus eight, another loss there because they were actively tanking. So, I mean, out of 12 picks, we only lost on three. And two of those were because teams were actively tanking that we did not think were going to happen like that. So, I would say a good night. I would say a good night. All right. Now let's go to... The NHL, any good lines today? We got three playoff games. We got the Bruins and the Caps. Capitals at home plus a goal and a half. Oh, my goodness. Give me that all day. Give me that all day. Didn't the Wizards or um, the Washington Capitals, didn't they just win their first meeting against the Bruins? Let me get that up real quick. 
Capitals lead the series 1-0 and they're up 1-0. They're getting uh, they're getting the one point. Yes, that's that's the that's our money maker right there. We don't need to see any more. Capitals plus one and a half at home. Who's not playing? There's obviously somebody or the goalie. They got Craig Anderson at goalie to be expected a 2-1 and a 2 and 1 record. So that's why. But I'm going to take the Washington Capitals at home. I'll take them plus the point and a half. Why not? Absolutely. Playoffs, not a lot of blowouts. What has happened so far in these NHL playoffs? Just yesterday, Islanders beat the Penguins 4-3. Wild versus the Knights, 1-0 finish there. Lightning, Panthers, 5-4 finish, one point. Calgary Flames and Canucks, 6-5. I mean, all one point, so we get a point and a half with the Capitals at home? No problem. Absolutely no problem. Fantastic. There it is, folks. Capitals plus one and a half. That's our moneymaker for tonight. Alrighty, now let's head over to the NBA playoffs, folks. The official regular season has uh, wrapped up yesterday. We have a free day Monday. No games on today. Games start tomorrow with the playing tournaments. So this is how the final standings have played out. In the Eastern Conference, 76ers are the number one seed. Nets are the two seed. Bucks the three seed. Knicks the four seed. Once again, give it up for the Knicks, man. 41 wins. Fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. What a turnaround. Tom Thibodeau, we give you so much respect. Hawks at the fifth seed. Heat at the sixth seed. And then in the playing tournament, we got the Celtics at the seventh seed. Wizards at the eighth seed. Pacers at the ninth seed. And the Hornets at the tenth seed. And in the Western Conference, the Jazz at the 1, Suns at the 2, Nuggets at the 3, Clippers at the 4, Mavericks at the 5, Blazers at the 6, and then for the playing tournament in the Western Conference, Lakers at 7, Warriors at 8, Grizzlies at 9, and the Spurs the 10th seed. So, we are going to walk through all the games, all the series, and determine who we believe is going to be the NBA championships before the playoffs have even started. So, before we get into that, we have to decide the play-in tournament winners. So, we got this up. We can uh, start this bracket now. <clears throat> so, the first play-in game between the Celtics and the Wizards. Alrighty. We know the Celtics, they have a little bit of lackluster offense. Jalen Brown's out for the season. So, Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker both have to step up. And we really have been seeing spotty performances by Evan Fournier in the back half of the season ever since the trade line when he became an official Celtics. We have no problem, you know, with Jason Tatum. He's going to get it done. We've got no problem with that. But for the first play-in game, I got to give it up for the Wizards here, folks, truly. I think the Wizards beat the Celtics. They just they just go and get it done. Their backs have been against the wall ever since really the All-Star break. They had to go out and win the games, and they've been doing that. They, they fought their way up to that eighth seed. They were the tenth seed for the longest. They were outside looking into the playing tournament for the longest. In this back half of the season, they got on their horse, beat the teams that they needed to. With only Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, I mean, they, they're just dogs out on the floor. They can go for the 30-plus of points every single night. Where the Celtics, we can rely on Jason Tatum to get 30 points every single night. But who else is going to give us great production scoring-wise? Evan Fournier, little hit and miss. Kemba Walker, a uh, little not fresh. You know, with a little bit of an injury here at the back half of the season, not playing all these games. So, I'm going to have the Wizards beating the Celtics, which makes the Wizards the eighth seed here. We got to... Um, We got to fill that in. <clears throat> so let's get up to here. Let's go to the east. And we'll fill in 
the Wizards at the number seventh seed. So the Wizards win, they beat the Celtics, and they claim the seventh seed. Now, the Celtics are not out of the playoffs. They just go to the second playoff game. So let's click the Celtics here. Even though they lost, just for how this bracket sets up, we have to kind of put them as the winner. So we can kind of uh, click to see who wins in the next matchup. But we do have the Wizards winning, and they go off to the seventh seed. And then in the Hornets and the Pacers, I'm going to go the Hornets here, folks. LaMelo the Ball's back, and they had an actually good game against the Wizards last night. They just unfortunately kind of blew it in the second half of the game. But they've got the pieces. They've got the, the scores. they got LaMelo Ball, who can facilitate the floor and score the ball. they got Devontae Graham coming off the bench. A great kind of uplift scoring potential for that bench. Terry Rozier still in the starting lineup and then they're bigs I mean we'll see if PJ Washington is going to stay at the five or if they move kind of uh I don't see them moving Cody Zeller back in the starting lineup because he hasn't been in the starting lineup for a very long time or if they move Biombo Bismick Biombo back in the starting lineup so whichever they do they have more scoring potential against this Pacers team yeah they got Sabonis and Karis LeVert's kind of hit and miss ever since he moved over to the one it's kind of been a little bit better for LeVert but the bench is really lackluster Sabonis at the five having your best player at the five it does not work folks that's why Anthony Davis really couldn't get it done that's where you know Joel Embiid has really struggled until this season until he got you know help all around him so I can't rely on the Pacers so I'm gonna have the Hornets beating the Pacers and then now the Celtics and the Pacers the Celtics and the Hornets, excuse me, face off for the eighth seed, and I can't give that Hornets team another win here. I've got the Celtics beating out the Hornets. I do love this Hornets team, and I love to root for them, but ever since LaMelo Ball has came back, this Hornets team has not been the same team before the injuries of LaMelo Ball. Uh, up until this point so they still have some nice shooters but at the end of the day I think if Jason Tatum doesn't win that game one he steps it up and does whatever it takes and it doesn't have to be that much because the Hornets don't have that good of a big and the Celtics have decent decent bigs Tristan Thompson and uh, Robert Williams I do like them better than the Hornets big so the Celtics will able will be able to get it done they'll be at home for that game and the Hornets aren't going to be able to win on the road so we will have the Celtics beating the Hornets. So the Eastern Conference play-in tournament, Wizards beat the Celtics, move to the seventh seed. Hornets beat the Pacers, and then the Celtics and Hornets face for that last eighth seed, and we got the Celtics taking the win there. So let's go back to our bracket and fill in the Celtics at the number eighth seed here. Alrighty, now the official one through eight, eight seeding in the Eastern Conference is a wrap now. 76ers one, Nets two, Bucks three, Knicks four, Hawks five, Heat six, Wizards seven, and the Celtics eight. Alrighty, now let's do the same on the Western Conference playing tournament. <clears throat> so. First playing tournament versus the 7th and 8th seed, Lakers at number 7, Warriors at number 8. And this one is going to be an absolutely great game to watch. Probably will be the best playing tournament game of the season. Um, and maybe if you want to get conspiratorial on it, did the NBA rig this so the playing tournament got numbers, viewers? I'll let y'all make your own decision. But having the Lakers and the Warriors, who have you know been facing in every single finals for the last five years, it's coincidental to say the least. But Lakers, Warriors, Lakers are going to be home for this game. But we just saw LeBron James take a little bit of an ankle tweak at the end of the last game, of last night's game against the Pelicans. Now they have to go and face. Do they face tomorrow or do they face on Wednesday? Let's get that up. 
Tuesday's playing tournaments game are Hornets and Pacers, and so they're doing the Eastern Conference on Tuesday and the Western Conference on Wednesday. So LeBron James lucks out a little bit, an extra day to rest that tweaked ankle a little bit more. But the Warriors always rise to the occasion. Steph Curry always go manic. He never really flounders against the big teams. This that's the that was kind of our one knock on this Warriors team. They always play down to their competition. And now that we're in the playoffs, in the playing tournament, expect them to really elevate their play every single game. But this Lakers team has the beef down low, and that's where the Warriors are going to struggle. Kevon Looney and Draymond Green, they're bigs against LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Andre Drummond. I mean, come on. So it's going to be beef down low versus outside shooting. And I think, I think I'm going to give it up for the Warriors here to beat the Lakers game one. Sorry, not sorry. I don't know if that's against everybody's public opinion out there. But I just love how Steph Curry plays and he always rises to the occasion and they always get it done. This Warriors team, their back was against the wall. Not as much as the Wizards were. But they were still, you know, having to kind of win every single game from the kind of trade deadline on to get into the playing tournament, to get it to the 10th seed. And then they worked their way up to that 8th seed. So I got to give a lot of respect to this Warriors team. So I'm going to have the Warriors winning against the Lakers in the first round of the playing tournament. So I know I just clicked that the Lakers won, but it's just for the play of the kind of um, on-screen interactive. So let's move the Warriors to the seventh seed here in the Western playoffs. So the Warriors get the seventh seed. Alrighty, now in the second step here, Spurs and the Grizzlies, and the Spurs have just been so inconsistent all season. They're honestly such a bad team. We never know what we're going to get with them on a nightly basis. So I'm going to have the Grizzlies here. They have good defense. They have nice shooters. Their, their starting squad is really nice. Grace, uh, not Grayson Allen, uh, since he's got the concussion. But John Morant, J Jonas Valanciunas, great there. Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, we can always rely on them. They've got great defense, great offensive skills. In this Spurs team has just floundered every time they could flounder and surprised us on sometimes, but it's nothing meaningful. They've got the worst. Uh, th do they have the overall worst record here of the, all the playoffs, of all the teams in at least the playing tournament or the playoffs? Uh, they got 33 wins, and the Hornets have 33 wins as well. So just really nothing great by this Spurs team. Can't trust them. This Grizzlies team is at least above 500, 38 and 34, four games above 500. So I'm going to take the Grizzlies to beat the Spurs here. And then it's the Lakers and the Grizzlies and the Lakers. I'm going to have them beating the Grizzlies here. Uh, you know, just like we said, the beef down low for this Lakers team. LeBron's not going to lose a play-in tournament. This Grizzlies team, they floundered against the big teams all season long. That's why they have never were really that far above 500. I think the max they were was five games above 500, and that was until last night where they lost against the Warriors, and now they're only four games above 500. So, when, like, like the Spurs, the Grizzlies are a little bit more consistent, but at the end of the day, the Lakers with LeBron James are more consistent than a lot of these teams out here and definitely, you know, bottom of the barrel team. So we're going to have the Lakers beating the Grizzlies. So the Lakers still get into the playoffs just at the eighth seed. So now we have the official seeding here. 
for the Western Conference. Jazz 1, Suns 2, Nuggets 3, Clippers 4, Mavericks 5, Blazers 6, and then the Warriors 7, and the Lakers 8. Alrighty, so let's go back, and we'll start at the Eastern Conference now that we have everything good to go. So the number one in eight matchup is the 76ers and the Celtics. And man, oh man, tough, tough, uh, tough matchup here for this Celtics team. Absolutely. I'm going to have the 76ers winning in five. They win 4-1. Celtics may be able to take a game uh, maybe at their home stadium. But once again, the beef down low, who is going to stop Joel Embiid? It's not going to be Tristan Thompson, and it's not going to be Robert Williams. So the outside shooting is ha- is going to have to get it done for the Celtics team, and they really just aren't going to have enough shooters around. Their starting lineup is going to be the best thing about the Celtics. Um, Kemba at the one, Evan Fournier at the two, Jason Tatum at the three. We'll see who they put at the four. Maybe Jason Tatum plays the four, Evan Fournier plays the three, but they will have Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, Jason Tatum, and probably, I think, Tristan Thompson is going to be the starting big. So, whoever they kind of used. Oh, Marcus Smart to fill in the two. So, Evan Fournier at the three, Tristan Thompson or Tristan Thompson at the five, and Jason Tatum at the five, uh, four. But they'll have no bench. We'll need to see something from Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Nesmith, or Robert Williams. And we really have not seen any of those players step up consistently. So, don't get me wrong. The starters of the Celtics may be able to do decent. But, you know, at the end of the game, in the Clutch time, crunch time, they're not going to be able to get it done, and nobody's going to be able to stop, stop Joel Embiid. And if you do stop Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris is going to be able to cancel out your outside shooting. Danny Green, Seth Curry are going to be able to cancel out your outside scoring. And if you're good at the outside scoring for a game, Ben Simmons is going to lock it up defensively. You're not going to get a shot off. So, And then the bench of the 76ers, we can rely on um, Tyrese Maxey. We can rely on Dwight Howard. We can rely on Shake Milton. So we've got nice, we, we've got a great starting line up with the 76ers and we got the bench to rely on if the starters don't get it done we can't say the same about the Celtics the 76ers get it done for one all righty now the Knicks and the Hawks and ugh ugh real tight real tough matchup here I think it goes the distance folks I truly think it's going to go six or seven games I don't want to be truly disrespectful against this Knicks team I truly don't so I'll give them the seven. I'll give them the seven. But I have the Hawks winning in seven, four, three here. The Knicks have a great defense. They have probably the best defense in the league. Nobody's doubting that. But when it's time to put up the points, I can't rely on too many players of this Knicks team. RJ Barry, Julius Randle, yes, we can rely on 100%. But then what else are we talking about here? Let's bring up their... Um, their depth chart. Because uh, I want to talk about all their players in depth a little bit more. I'm forgetting uh, their other person. Um, Alfred Pay. Oh, no, no, no. Reggie Bullock has some nice games sometimes. Don't get us wrong. Um, and he has some nice contributions that oh, you know puts this Knicks team past some of the teams for their wins. But when we have to rely on their scoring, I mean, nobody really gets it done here. Alfred Payton, we really can't rely on. Um, Nerland's Null, he's not an offensive big, folks. He's just kind of there. He doesn't put up that many points. He doesn't really grab that many rebounds that either. He's a nice defender. We'll give him that. But with this Hawks team I mean well let's talk about this Knicks bench I mean yes we can rely on Derrick Rose he's been putting up 15 to 20 points yes we can rely on him but Emmanuel quickly is so garbage so garbage I don't want to call him garbage but he's so inconsistent folks and Obi Toppin and Alec Burks we get no good consistent scoring from really 
um, any of their other starters besides R.J. Barrett and um, um, Alfred Payton we, or Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett, we can rely on them. But um, everybody else, we can't rely on scoring. And then we can just really only rely on Derrick Rose scoring off the bench. So their scoring department is going to get them in trouble here. Can they get it done on defensive on the defensive end for seven straight games? And then if they get to the next series, can they do it again for another seven games? And then can they do it in the third round for another seven games? So I just don't think the offense is going to be able to match what the defense does on a nightly basis. And I really think that is going to be the downfall for this Knicks team. Where the Hawks, oh my goodness, I get Trey Young. I get Bogdan Bogdanovich, one of the best shooters in the league, folks. He gets it done consistent as heck. John Collins, ever since he's been good to go for this team, he's been getting it done. 15 plus points every single night. And then Clint Capella, don't, don't disrespect that, man. One of the best bigs in the league. I think he's averaging the most points and most rebounds than any other big in this league. Don't, uh, don't quote me on that, but I really think he's up there of top-tier bigs. And then off the bench, we can rely on their shooters off the bench. Lou Williams, Kevin Herter, Danilo Gallinari. Those, all three of those players can give us 10-plus points every single game off the bench. So I'm going to have the Hawks upset the, the Knicks here 4-3. It goes 7. Knicks have a nice run. Just not sure if they can beat this Hawks team. Really tough matchup for the first round of the Knicks. All right, then we get the Bucks and the Heat, a rematch of what happened last year in the Bubbles playoffs, and I believe the Heat won 4-2, no? I believe that's what it was, maybe even 4-1. Uh, I know the Heat won, and uh, kind of convincingly, but I don't see that repeating here this year, folks. I've got the Bucks winning in 5-4-1 against this Heat team. This is the Bucks years, folks. Yes, sir. We just told you how many points they've been putting up. We've been loving it. Can we get that up? Let's see if we can get that up again. Uh, let's go to this Bucks team schedule. Just look at their offensive production. Over just these last maybe two months even? Consistent for the last two months. Uh, last night, they only put up 112 points against Chicago. It was a meaningless game. They weren't even playing all their players. All right, but now we're talking 122 points, 142, 114, 125, 133, 135, 124, 117, 108, 136, 114, 104. 132, 124, 127, 115, 120, 130, 124, 119, 101, 121, 128, 127, 112, 105, uh, 96. So, I mean, their last 900-point scoring game was March 27th. So, they are reliable consistently offensively, which is fantastic. Giannis was burying his head against that Nets team. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, putting up 40 points a game. Drew Holiday, we can rely on him. He's a fantastic facilitator for this uh, Bucks team. We don't have to rely on Dante DiVincenzo. Even though he's like the starting two, we don't need him to have a good game because we can rely on Chris Middleton to give us 15 to 20. We can rely on Brooke Lopez to stretch the floor for Giannis to go drive. And then Brooke Lopez is cashing out threes, putting up 15 to 20 points as well. And then off the bench, Bobby Portis, Bob, Pat Connaughton. We can rely on all those players to get it done. And Giannis has seemed to be finally taking it upon himself to be the main offensive productor for this Bucks team, and they've been winning games, third seed here in the Eastern Conference, and I don't think the Heat can keep up with it. This Heat team was not as good as they were shooting the ball last season. No more Victor Oladipo anymore, so it's really going to have to rely on Tyler Hero to step it up off the bench. Um, um, who's their other guy? Uh, Jimmy Butler and... Um, 
Um, Jimmy Butler, it's not uh, Goran Dragic. We, you know, we always get consistent play out of those two, and even uh, kind of Bam out of bio. But everybody else, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, it's just they've been doing nothing consistent here. Duncan Robinson is even struggling to put up like 10-plus points a game. He's taking like maybe like five threes a game and struggling to get that nice offense production. So this Bucks team, they're going to lock it up. <clears throat> Revenge for last season, however you want to spin it. Bucks get it done easy-peasy here, 4-1. And then the Wizards and the Nets. And I don't want to disrespect this Wizards team, but I'm going to have to respect this, disrespect this Wizards team. They're going to get swept, folks. Uh, no, I'll give them one. I'll give them one game here. I'll give them one. Maybe, you know, Russell Westbrook has an extraordinary game to try to, you know, get back at that Nets team of Kevin Durant and James Harden, you know, for abandoning him and choosing Kyrie Irving over him. So maybe they steal one. But at the end of the day, the Wizards... They've got no big. The Nets don't have a big either, but they've got three dangerous shooters. The Net, the Wizards aren't going to be able to keep up scoring with this Nets team. The Nets still have Bruce Brown and Joe Harris and Landry Shaman if they need it. Where the Wizards, they've got Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, Davis Bertans, Rui Hachimura, Ish Smith maybe if he's you know he's been doing good ever since you know he's come back from the injury. But this Nets team, at the end of the day, I don't know if the Wizards are going to be able to keep up pace with this. So, and once again, I think Russell Westbrook may be getting, maybe trying to do too much here to kind of really prove and really trying to. Russell Westbrook wants to be, you know, the reason why they go out and beat this Nets team 100%. So, uh, you know, maybe he, you know, he commits, you know, nine turnovers a game here in the series. We've seen him clean it up here these last kind of two, three, four weeks even. Uh, but now that he has to go and face this Nets team, going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Kevin Durant and James Harden, and just might bring out the worst of Russell Westbrook and not in a good way. So I'm going to have the Nets win 4-1. All right, then we get the 76ers and the Hawks, and I think this is going to be a good matchup here, a good playoff series. But I'm going to give it to the 76ers here 4-2. Um, I think Clint Capella can decently handle, um, you know, Joel and B down low if they need to, but just the outside shooting, I think the 76ers are going to be a little bit more consistent here than the Hawks. Ben Simmons, the defense of him, shutting down the Hawks offense a little bit. And Trey Young, yes, he's great, but he does go through some kind of, you know, strides of games of just not getting it done offensively, not being that kind of points productor or facilitator of the floor that they need. We can always I'm not I'm never not gonna rely on Bogdan Bogdanovich. Honestly, he's just so freaking great. But then Lou Williams off the bench, he's he hasn't really been that great for this Hawks team. He's been good for the Clippers, but he hasn't really been doing that great for this Hawks team. And Daniel Gallinari takes some games off. But uh, now that they have to go and face the 76 or second round, I don't know if the Hawks are going to be that consistent here, especially going seven games against that Knicks team. I got the 76ers winning 4-2 against the Hawks. And then the Bucks and the Nets, folks, and we just saw a little preview of this series a little earlier, um, a couple weeks ago, back-to-back -back game, Bucks in the Nets, and the Bucks won both games. Yes, they didn't have James Harden, but James Harden isn't going to fix the issues of what made that Nets team flounder during that Bucks series, which was the beef down low. DeAndre Jordan, 
Blake Griffin are not going to get it done. They didn't have Nicholas Claxton for either of those games, so hopefully he can provide a little bit more of a, of a defense down low against Giannis. But at the end of the day, I don't think the Nets are going to be able to outshoot of what Giannis is going to be able to do, especially as the longer that the series goes on, the worst of the chances the Nets have to win because it's just going to be Giannis beating them up down yellow. One game, two game, three game, four game. And if you're going to take a seven-game series of Giannis going down low every single game, that game number seven, the Nets are going to have no answer for him. They're going to be, you know, tired. They're not going to want to kind of body up Giannis. And uh, the Bucks are going to be able to win this series, I think, a little easy. I would put it at 4-1. I'm going to respect the Nets a little bit more by making it 4-2, but I got the Bucks winning a little kind of easily here. And then that brings us to the 76ers and the Bucks of the Eastern Conference Finals. This should be a real, real good game. Real great series. It probably goes 7. But who's going to stop Giannis? I just don't see anybody stopping Giannis. I think it's the Bucks year this year. This one's going to be great. And I'm going to go 4-3 Bucks over the 76ers. They both have great starting lineups that can kind of go down low and stretch the floor. Uh, from their great three-pointing attempts. Um, the bench is still good. I mean, the Bucks have three good bench players of Pat Connaughton. Um, let's get all those bench players up. Pat Connaughton, uh, Bobby Portis. I'm missing one. I'm missing one. Where do I go here? Here. Milwaukee. Uh, Brian Forbes, we can definitely count on him as well. Oh, and then P.J. Tucker defensively, absolutely. He gets no offensive production, but we can rely on him defense. That's what he does out there. Um, and then the 76ers, I mean, they've got the good bench too of Dwight Howard, Shake Milton, and you know Tyrese Maxey. So, yes, they've got – these are really two equal teams. I really think it's just going to be Giannis. He's going to be the one consistent factor. Where with the 76ers, when we're looking at kind of their depth of who we're going to have to rely on besides, you know, the big players of Ben Simmons and uh, uh, Joel Embiid and – uh, Tobias Harris, but then it comes to Danny Green and Seth Curry. Uh, Danny Green has never been that clutch three-point shooter. Um, you know, we just saw that last season with the Lakers, where he had the chance to win it with the three, and that was that would have been Game Six, I think, in regulation, and then he misses, and it was wide open. It was dreadful. So uh, he's just not that clutch player. And uh, I think I can rely on maybe Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton or maybe even Dante DiVincenzo a little bit more. How crazy to say is that? But I'm going to take Gian or, yeah, Giannis in the box here to come out of the Eastern Conference beating the 76ers 4-3. So we got uh, the 76er, or no, we got the Bucks coming out of the Eastern Conference. So let's save this, and then let's go over to the Western Conference, get the winner of that, and then we'll talk about the finals. So here we go in the West. Let's talk about the 1-8 matchup, the Jazz and the Lakers, and woo, 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 tough one here. Do the Lakers get bounced first round against this Jazz team? They do have Mike Connolly back, and they're going to have Donovan Mitchell back, and that's really going to be what I think puts them past this Lakers team, and I'm going to call it a 4-2 win here for the Jazz, folks. Uh, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, they're going to—they're almost unstoppable, and when you look at just what the Lakers have, uh, just kind of Dennis Schroeder to kind of be their main offensive kind of facilitator. 
I can't. I I I I see Donovan Mitchell and kind of Joe Ingles or Mike Connolly, whoever's going to play that too. It's just going to be a little bit better outside shooting than what the Lakers can provide. Now the Lakers do have the edge of beef down low. Rudy Gobert trying to guard, you know, Anthony Davis from those three pointers or Andre Drummond down low. It's definitely going to be a battle. But I just don't know if LeBron's going to be healthy enough throughout this entire series. And if LeBron goes down, we can instantly count this team out. There's really nobody to step it up 100% for this Lakers team. Yes, we can rely on Anthony Davis. But then who do we have to kind of be the number two there? Dennis Schroeder, Taylor Horton Tucker, Caruso, KCP, Kyle Kuzma. Are y'all going to rely on any one of those players to get it done for this Lakers team? Because I'm not. Because I'm not. I mean, I've never seen anything great by any of those players consistently anyway. So, I'm going to have a big upset here. Well, not even an upset. It's a 1-8 matchup. I'm going to take the Jazz 4-2 over the Lakers. All right. Then we get the Mavericks and the Clippers. And, man, oh, man, this should be a good one as well. <clears throat> Huge potential for an upset. <clears throat> we saw the Clippers kind of actively tanking to get that Mavericks team in the first round of the playoffs, so they got their wish. Hopefully, it doesn't bite them in the butt. But we're going to go 4-1 here over this Mavericks team. Get revenge. You know, we just saw this kind of matchup in the playoff bubble last season. This Mavericks team, it's really just Luka Doncic. They just put Tim Hardaway Jr. at the two. We'll see if they kind of keep that. I think that's the best case for them. You have to keep this offense good for the starting lineup. Worry about the bench later. Um, Chris Porzingis is finally back, but can he stay healthy? Hopefully, this is the year to stay healthy. But for this Clippers team, we get Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I'm a big believer in this Paul George this year. We're hoping he doesn't bite us in the butt like he has done every single year he gets to the playoffs. But uh, he's really been showing it up, this, uh, especially in the back half of the season when it's just him out there. He's been having extraordinary games. They're getting Sergi Baca back at the right time, another big for them. Uh, Reggie Jackson and Patrick Beverly. Reggie Jackson hopefully stays in the starting line. Patrick Beverly coming off the bench, but uh, first round matchup here. Clippers get the win 4-1 over the Mavericks. Then we get the Nuggets and the Blazers, and man, oh man, I want the Blazers to have success this season in the playoffs. It's just I think it's going to be the same old Blazers team. Damian Lillard's great. They can't win a seven-game series, um, and that's really it. And then this bench of the Blazers is just so lackluster. The starting lineup is great. Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Norman Powell, Robert Covington, and... Um, um, Yusuf Nurchich, that's a good starting lineup, but I really think for this Blazers team to have success, I would really probably put Anthony Simons at the three. I know he has no starting experience this entire season, but I really think that's the fault of the Blazers of not trying to figure out this starting lineup or the rotations because Anthony Simons, Ennis Cantor, and Carmelo Anthony are only, those are the only three players that are going to be playing any meaningful minutes here off the bench in the playoffs. Um, and we get no, uh, no good offensive production. Carmelo Anthony's a little, he wasn't as good as he was last year. He was consistent every single game last year. He has not been that consistent, especially in the back half of the season. First half of the season, he was good. He was great. Carmelo Anthony giving us those kind of 10 to 15 plus points off the bench every single night. Now here in the back half of the season, we can't rely on him. So the bench is going to be lackluster for this Blazers team. 
I really think Norman Powell should go down to the bench, try to jumpstart that offensive kind of point production for that bench, but they didn't kind of experiment with that in the regular season, so it's not going to happen in the postseason. I'm going to have the Nuggets winning here 4-3, probably go 7, but uh, at the end of the day, this Nuggets team just so impressive. Facundo Capazzo, how he's just been so great of filling in for Jamal Murray. Hopefully Monte Morris is going to be back as well to give them some depth at the point guard position. Uh, so hopefully he can be back in time for the playoffs. But then it's just Jokic, man. Give it up for Jokic. The MVP in Michael Porter Jr. who has taken on this role, embraced it, was craving it. And ever since Jamal Murray went down, there's been a void of that number two score. And uh, Michael Porter Jr. has stepped into that role and not floundered once at all. So I got to give it up for this Nuggets team. Aaron Gordon and company getting it done. The Nuggets don't have the best bench either. Let's talk about their bench for a second. Let's get their bench up here. <clears throat> They got uh, Paul Millsap. That's really it. <laughs> That's really their best bench player. Uh, where are we at here? Uh, Denver Nuggets. Denver, Denver, Denver. Um, hopefully Monte Morris is good to go. Like we said, Jamichael Green off the bench. Paul Millsap, not the best out there. Can't really rely on too many of those players. Austin Rivers, uh, we definitely are going to have to see him get it done. Whether he's going to be the number two or just coming off the bench, it's going to be Austin Rivers, how far he can kind of take this team off the bench. Maybe in the second round, he's going to have to step it up. Maybe not too much in the first round, but uh, definitely going to need to see this bench of the Nuggets at some point to get it done because uh, the, the starters are only going to be able to bring you so far. Got to have some depth here. But uh, the Nuggets beating the Blazers here, 4-2. And then we get the Warriors and the Suns. And this could be a little bit dangerous here for the Suns team. Uh, we, we've kind of spoke about their kind of scoring troubles. If it's not Devin Booker in some of their games, it's just a little kind of concerning and uh, for the Suns team. So we can't really rely on too many players besides Devin Booker if they're not all on. We know Chris Paul can give us the 20 points a game, but you know it doesn't happen every single night. And if Devin Booker is not putting up 30 points a game, ooh, the uh, Suns team is going to run into some bad day, some bad days and some bad games out here. This Warriors team always rises to the occasion. I think this is a real dangerous spot for this Suns team. A real chance at an upset here for this Warriors team. DeAndre Ayton should be eating all day down low against the Warriors, but the Suns really don't run a lot of pick and roll with DeAndre Ayton. They really don't get him too much involved. I really think they should be getting him more involved in the offense here, and we really haven't seen that. For the Suns, uh, Cameron Payne, Cameron Johnson, Dario Sarri coming off the bench. They have a better bench potential than the Warriors do, but they don't have that Steph Curry. Chris Paul versus Steph Curry. How's that going to transpire for a seven-game series? It's going to be great to watch. Uh, man, oh, man. I'm going to give it up for the Suns here, 4-3. I think it's going to be real close. I think Steph Curry, I mean, he wills his team to, you know, being competitive every single game. So expect a lot of kind of close games here in the Warriors-Suns series, and uh, we'll have the Suns squeaking out the win, 4-3. Alrighty, now in the second round of the playoff, the Jazz and the Clippers, and I'm giving it to the Jazz here, winning 4-2. Once again, now that they have Donovan Mitchell and Mike Connolly, this is the full potential of this Jazz team. They're deep. They got Jordan Clarkson off the bench. Let's talk about this Jazz bench quickly. Obviously, they got Jordan Clarkson who can go for you know 20 points a game every single night because he puts up those shots. 
Um, but also off the bench, who are we looking at here? Joe Ingles, Georges Niang. Georges Niang had a couple of good games like a two two weeks ago, which earned him a starting lineup spot, and then he floundered in the starting lineup. But then he just put up 10 points off the bench last night. So Georges Niang can get it done off the bench. Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles, they've got nice bench pieces. And then just a starting lineup of Mike Connolly and Donovan Mitchell and Bohan Bogdanovich, another big shooter of Bogdanovich. These Bogdanovich brothers, folks, they're the best shooters in the league, taking over the league by storm, truly going under the radar as well, not getting the kind of recognition they deserve, but folks, truly watch out for Bohan Bogdanovich and Bogdan Bogdanovich. They're absolutely fantastic. So I'm going to go the Jazz here. Um, once again, we're going to have to rely on Paul George to get it done, and we just have not seen that in the playoffs, so we can't really rely on him too much here, especially in the second round. I'm going to take the Jazz 4-2 over the Clippers. And then the Nuggets in the Suns, and I think the Nuggets are unfortunately going to kind of run into some depth problems here in the playoffs. Um, I can rely on Michael Porter Jr. and Jokic and Aaron Gordon, but how good, how good is Facundo Capazzo going to be, especially against Chris Paul, man, and Monte Morris is just their, their point guard potential here for the Nuggets is really going to be the problem that they run into. But another kind of seven-game series here, I don't really see the Suns really kind of sweeping a series against anybody in this Western Conference. Like, maybe they could have swept the Mavericks or did like a 5-1 or 4-1 gentleman sweep, but having to go instantly against this Warriors team and then this Nuggets of kind of joke it going down low, um, I just see this Suns team running into a lot of close series in the, uh, once again against the Nuggets. And then the Jazz and the Suns, and I'm going to give it up for the Jazz here, 4-2. Once again, I just think this kind of a lot of all, all these series going seven games for the Suns. The Jazz kind of finishing up quickly on the road to the finals. And um, the bench of the Jazz is way more consistent than the bench of the Suns. And the Jazz have so many players that they can rely on scoring the ball. If it's not Donovan Mitchell, it's going to be Mike Connolly. If it's not, if it's not Mike Connolly, it's going to be Bogdanovich. If it's not Bogdanovich, they can go through Rudy Gobert. If they're, all the starters are not getting it done, then they can go to Jordan Clarkson. If it's not Jordan Clarkson, they can go to Joe Ingles. If it's not Joe Ingles, they can maybe rely on Joe, uh, George Disneyang, but that's like the eighth option there with the Suns. If it's not Devin Booker, it's got to be Chris Paul. If it's not Chris Paul, it's got to be. What do, we, what do we got for the Suns team? <clears throat> Let's go here. It, it, maybe um, uh, the uh, um, uh, Jay Crowder. If it's not Jay Crowder, then it's DeAndre Ayton. If it's not DeAndre Ayton, then who are we looking to? Cameron, uh, Dario Saric, and then Cameron Payne and Cameron Johnson. So it's just we can't really rely on their bench as much as we can rely on the Jazz bench. And I feel good of all one through five here for the Jazz, getting it done scoring-wise every single night. Trying to get to the Suns team. I cannot locate them. Here we go. <clears throat> um, McCall Bridges. Uh, what is he putting up every single game? 13? Meh. Meh. I can't really rely on him. And like we said, Dario Sarek and Cameron Payne and uh, Cameron Johnson and J Torrey Craig, we can rely on those players, but they all don't have good games together. It's like one one of those four players will have like a 10-plus point night every single game, but then everybody else is floundering. So I just cannot rely too much on the Suns team besides Chris Paul and Devin Booker. So I'm going to go Jazz winning 4-2, getting to the finals. 
coming out of the West, and then it's going to be the Jazz versus the Bucks, and at the end of the day, Rudy Gobert is not going to be able to handle um, Giannis, and then also Brooke Lopez. I mean, the beef down low here, plus the outside shooting, this Bucks team has it all. They've also got the bench, so I'm going to take it. Bucks winning 4-2 against the Jazz. Bucks winning the finals, folks. The Bucks are the champions. I'm telling y'all, this is the Bucks year. One of the most complete teams just for their uh for full for for their five starters. I can rely on all them to score the ball. Their bench, I can rely on all them. Um their outside shooting is great. Uh their their drive to the basket's great. They got Brooke Lopez, they got Giannis, they got Chris Middleton, even Dante DiVincenzo. He's a little beefy out there, even though he you know he's a two guard. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the Bucks to win the title, folks. Four two, Bucks coming out of the East, Jazz coming out of the West. Finals, Bucks, Jazz, and the Bucks get it done in six four two. Alrighty, that's gonna do it for us today. We're not gonna be able to get to the NFL uh, schedule. We'll continue that tomorrow. We went a little late here. Our camera died, so we're gonna get out of here today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. We're back tomorrow, live noon Eastern, and we'll make a make up a couple of those. Um, uh, games in the NFL schedule. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. And we're back.